Hello, it's uh, 10 p.m. in Finland and this is Out of Line uh, episode 2. We are waiting for Frodi. Uh, he's a bit late, but... Uh, he wait. just uh, messaged us and uh, said that uh, he's on his way and will be here as soon as possible. So I assume that it'll, it'll only be a few minutes and he will be here and <clears throat> we will get to uh, the topic of today. Uh, and uh, f- while we are waiting for him, uh, I could... Uh, uh, th- talk about uh, both ours and uh, Frodi's project so uh, as uh, you might uh, might have known if if you have uh, followed my twitter this is our new show that we will be live streaming every Tuesday and Friday at uh, 21 uh, CET so this uh, same exact uh, time on Tuesdays and Fridays and we will have interesting guests over and uh, uh, each show will have a specific theme and uh, even though our guests I assume will be pretty familiar people to people in the nationalist scene. Uh, We will try to avoid uh, uh, going through always the same discussions with the same guests uh, by uh, choosing uh, uh, a bit unexpected or more original themes for each guest so that they will have something new to say so that we will avoid that uh, problem that... uh, Uh, There are these very popular nationalists who often appear uh, on live streams being interviewed by people and they are always asked the same same questions. So they always have to talk about the same stuff. So we will try to avoid that in this show by choosing uh, original themes for each guest. And uh, for Frodi we will be uh, talking about uh, uh, political bias against us and how to deal with that. And we actually have a very funny example of that uh, since uh, uh, Frodi took part in the Awakening 2 conference, which is an ethno-nationalist conference we organize in Finland. And um, our after-conference and its after-party in a bar were so epic that they actually ended up being in the uh, violent extremism report of uh, Finnish Ministry of the Interior. So, uh, so uh, the Ministry of the Interior defines us as violent extremists and uh, uh, said that we had caused trouble. So we will be uh, discussing with Frodi what actually happened that night because it's it really is a very epic story. And we t- talked about it earlier on uh, our Finnish live stream and I noticed that the audience uh, was very amused by the story which includes a lot of, uh, uh, how should I put it, like uh, Antifa hysteria, like you know how they can be when you have a drunken uh, anti-fascist who spots uh, famous nationalists in a bar, like a bar full of famous nationalists. Imagine the reaction you get from a very drunken Antifa. And that started the trouble, but I'm I'm not going to go into more detail yet. I'm going to keep you in some suspense, because that's what we will be talking about with Frodi later on. And... uh, uh, if you were following the videos we showed before we started this live stream, you most likely spotted a, a, an advertisement for Frodi's own live stream series, which is called The Cameron. And uh, it's, uh, I think, a very original and fun concept that uh, he invites uh, interesting nationalist personalities on his live stream. 
Uh, but instead of politics and society and all the usual stuff, uh, they will be talking about movies and TV shows. And uh, each uh, guest of his uh, can choose a movie or a, th- a TV show they find interesting. And they will discuss that uh, on a live stream. And they will be making these almost on a daily basis. And Yunes and I were on this live stream this Monday. And our choice for the topic was uh, the miniseries The Stand by Stephen King. And as you can see, uh, Edward Dutton was there to talk about the life of Brian. Morgoth talked about Chernobyl. Keith Woods, the YouTuber, was talking about No Country for Old Men. And uh, tomorrow they will have uh, Millennial Woes on there. And he will be talking about RoboCup. And uh, they have an amazing lineup of guests like uh, E. Michael Jones will be talking about Salo, which I will think will be pretty crazy because uh, in case you haven't seen this movie Salo, uh, 120 Days of Sodom, it's a very pervy movie. It includes a lot of very deviant sex, even like things like eating poo and things like that. So I will, I, th- I think it will be interesting to hear E. Michael Jones, our devout Cato- Catholic, talk about that movie. Uh, yeah, today <coughs> Frodi had uh, Mark Collette. I can't remember the movie they talked about because we we will have to watch it on uh, on the replay because. Uh, we had our own finished live stream, but tomorrow is uh, Millennial Woes, and it's at uh, 9 p.m. Finnish time, so that's 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, so th- be subscribed to Guide to Culture on uh, YouTube. We are not uh, allowed to be on YouTube because we are uh, uh, we were banned from YouTube because uh, I don't know. There's no reason, but uh, we were banned. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, they say that uh, five to ten minutes, and Frodi will be here. So, okay. uh, but uh, let's try to keep the audience entertained until then. And uh, I have the two-minute video from uh, the Decameron. Yeah, you could show that there. Okay, so that's. Uh, but yeah, before we show this uh, Decameron promotion video, uh, be sure to follow us on D Live or on Periscope or on VK. We all the links are in the about box uh, below you can also subscribe to our DLive channel and uh, yeah that's uh, let's play this uh, clip from uh, uh, Frodi in the 1350s Giovanni Boccaccio wrote the Decameron about a group of men and women who fled from the city of Florence to escape the black plague that was striking fear into all of Europe During the evenings in their hideout on the countryside, they passed the time by telling each other stories. Those stories have now become classics. In the spring of the year 2020 AD, during the worldwide lockdown caused by the coronavirus pandemic, a group of men and women will once again gather to discuss the stories that light a fire in our imagination.
Yeah, so uh, that's their lineup, and you can find the exact uh, schedule in the uh, on the web- website that was was mentioned. Their guide to culture dot org, and this culture is uh, spelled K U L C H U R. And an, it's an urban way of uh, spelling. Yeah, and uh, the YouTube channel uh, these uh, live streams can be found on is under the same name. So Guide to Culture, and you can find these. And uh, uh, the exact uh, times and dates are there on the website. And uh, this also serves as this uh, sort of interesting TV guide for nationalists. That if there are movies and uh, shows that you haven't seen but uh, are mentioned there, uh, maybe you could uh, check them out from uh, online uh, before the shows and uh, because uh, I think uh, that because these uh, guests that they are having over are interesting people I assume that the movies they pick will be interesting too and there are some there that I haven't seen either like that Harakiri the Japanese movie chosen by Tarek Taylor and uh, I'm uh, sure to uh, watch that before the show so that I will know what they are talking about and maybe you on the chat, you could also uh, mention w- uh, what you have been watching now that a lot of people have been under quarantine. And I know uh, people have been spending a lot of time on Netflix now, and uh, we actually have been watching pretty little TV, like uh, pretty much uh, as much as we usually do, that maybe two or three movies per week, and that's that. We don't watch like... Uh, real or original TV broadcasts like TV channels them they, we don't watch at all but we have an Amazon Prime subscription and we watch movies from there uh, from time to time but most of the time I just uh, spend my time with doing stuff around the house like uh, baking and crafts and cleaning and of course the, the our live streams uh, take a lot of time to do do and prepare so we can spend out at time like that too uh, but <clears throat> and I noticed that Full Moon Ancestry is there uh, in the live chat and he will be actually be our guest here on Out of Line next Tuesday and I'm sure it will be a very interesting and energetic show if you haven't yet seen Full Moon Ancestry's own live streams I uh, definitely recommend you subscribe to his channel here on DLive it's under Full Moon Ancestry and I really like his style of making live streams. He's always very energetic and enthusiastic, and I think that's really the sort of approach we need on the nationalist scene. This uh, very optimistic uh, outlook that uh, has uh, just this attitude that yes, we are doing things and uh, we are doing positive positive things. We are moving forward and building a community, we are building a movement, uh, and we are creating a change in society. And I think he really has the right attitude for for the job. So uh, I would definitely recommend that you uh, watch his channel. And uh, apparently Frodi will be here uh, very soon. Uh, Okay, uh, they are saying that uh, he should be here uh, any minute now, so... We can get started with uh, our topic of today. We also Uh, used to stream on YouTube uh, in English, but... uh, I I think he got constantly banned even years ago, before before they even started, like, the uh, 
full on censorship that they have these days on YouTube. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> of course we won't have everyday uh, guests, but uh, when we don't have guests, we will be speaking about the Finnish news uh, in English, and uh, that might be interesting to some people. And uh, that's uh, because Finland is uh, the news you hear from the mainstream media from Finland. They are. Uh, They are not realistic. That yeah. you, uh, if you follow what American me- media says about Finland, it's all about this. Oh, look, they have this young female feminist prime minister, and Finland is this wonderful utopia, and she's doing such a magnificent uh, job uh, with. But uh, in reality, it's pretty chaotic in here, and uh, on some shows where where, we, where it will just be the two of us, we will be also talking about these Finnish topics. But now. We have Frodi online, so welcome on board. Yeah, wait, wait a second. I, I Sorry about this. I I had a stream right before this, and then I uh, I ordered takeaway because I haven't eaten all day. So before the stream, uh, between the streams, I ordered takeaway, and then that was delayed. And I was just so hungry, so I had to get something because, yeah, everything was just chaotic. But uh, this was very much unintentional. So thank you guys for having me on. Where are we in the discussion? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we know how it can be because, um, as you know, we live stream several days a week. And uh, it's it's a lucky day if nothing goes wrong and we are completely on schedule and uh, there is uh, no unexpected uh, obstacles on the way. So so we are more than used to (laughs) to, uh, having these little struggles ourselves. So we definitely won't hold them against you. Good because th- this wasn't the first mishap with the you know delays and so on because I had Mark Collett on my show on Guide to Culture we were talking about Goodfellas and uh, because I had put the schedule in Central European time and he's in on UK time and then there's the the moving of the winter summer uh, time change and everything so he was also confused so we had to to. Uh, make a little change in that schedule as well so i guess it's just one of those days <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how have you been doing uh, under these uh, lockdown measures yeah i went to the faroe islands <clears throat> i went to the faroe islands uh, five six months six weeks ago uh, because i'm from i'm originally from the faroe islands i live on mainland scandinavia but uh, in norway but Uh, because of a, a, a family thing, a uh, family member who was ill went to the hospital. I went here and uh, to to visit him, um, but then right after that they closed the borders. So that's why I've been stuck here for several weeks. And uh, because I've been stuck here for several weeks, I thought, why not? you know make the most of it so that's why i've organized this film festival the cameron film festival i have 30 guests so i'm 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 live streaming almost every day a few exceptions and we're just talking about films so everyone well you were on my show talking about the stand and we have like guests every day so it's been a lot of fun uh, you know it's like i don't uh, i don't get bored because now i have a lot to do Yeah, and I think that's a really uh, original concept you have there because uh, 
a lot of the guests you are having on the show are people that are very familiar to people who follow nationalist live streams like Tara Taylor and uh, E. Michael Jones and Millennial Woes, but people are used to hearing them talk about society and politics and culture in a more general sense. So I think this is uh, offering something really original that uh, because uh, I know the, the how you easily you can land in the problem that you end up in uh, talking to the same people all the time and about the same topics and uh, when people are being interviewed they are always asked the same questions on every live stream so it easily ends up being pretty repetitive but I think you have now broken the mold that uh, with this completely original thing. I hope so I mean I, I've I felt that Uh, I had that feeling many years ago because I've been following, uh, you know, white nationalism since the late 90s. So I've been following these things and I've heard the same talking points many, many times over for more than 20 years. Uh, <laughs> so I've been bored by it. And I'm like, okay, I've I've read that book before I've read it. And, and uh, you know, when, when different people started live streaming and started their own YouTube channels and so on, I I was like, you know, reluctant to start looking at them because it's usually it's like the same old thing. But then, you know, I found many different uh, flavors of it and many people who did it with different style. And I think it's, it's, it's been a great development. But I think you're right that many of these things, talking points, they're the same and you've heard the same arguments. And uh, I mean, if you know Jared Taylor, he's been doing this since the the early 90s so if you know him you you basically know you know uh, his his style and you know all about that and i think also that politics politics is a is an area that just requires so much power and so much resources to have an impact at all that it's it's a non-starter in many ways if you don't have like billion billion dollar multimedia companies, film companies, Hollywood companies to back you up, to back your message up, because basically democracy is a plutocracy. It is the people with the money who can buy the production companies and, and the newspapers, book publishers, and all those things, which in in turn sort of influence what happens in politics. So it's very difficult for us to have an impact there. There's there, there's not a whole lot we can do. Culture, on the other hand, is a, an area that we can interact with and we can reach sort of a common ground with many people and we can talk about things that are familiar to them and we can sort of have a more productive dialogue. And it's also a place where we where we reach sort of high IQ people because I don't think that 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 sort of democracy, uh, as in sort of a majority vote, is like a co a completely honest and truthful description of reality, because I don't believe that every individual has the same influence. Because I believe that the the, the more intelligent people have more influence because they understand how the system works better. And and I think if we target that audience, even if we have maybe a smaller audience. Uh, that will have a greater long-term impact. Yeah, Jared Taylor, uh, he started live streaming on C-SPAN in the 90s, I believe. Uh, but uh, last year we couldn't get him to, to Finland in our conference because of the Schengen ban. And now you are not able to have him 
even outside the Schengen area because of uh, the Chinese virus. So it's <laughs> yeah. uh, difficult to uh, to uh, get people together. But uh, there, there have been many people asking, will the, the Jared Taylor vs. Uh, e. Michael Jones debate, will it be uh, still held on a, on a video if, if it's not uh, at your conference? Uh, we're going to do it uh, in, in real life. We're going to do it IRL. <coughs> we're going to do the conference, but but we have to just wait and see about all these travel bans in connection to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, so after that all is, is, is over with and we can travel again, I want to organize this conference. And I know that some, some people have pointed out, you know, you can do this as a video as a video uh, debate. But I think actually E. Michael Jones tweeted about this. There's something in the church, the Catholic church was going to do some sort of live streamed mass or whatever. I mean, I'm not a Catholic, but apparently they were going to do some live streaming mass because you have these bans against gathering too many people in one place. So they can't fill the churches up with people and have their mass and their, um, things there so they're going to live stream them stream them and he said that's sort of like uh, live live stream live streaming uh, a a meal like a live streaming an image of of a of a of a dinner is not going to is not going to get you fed it's not it's not going to fill you up um, uh, you're still going to be hungry and i sort of see this as the same thing i think that i think that um sort of online conversations like this one or like any sort of debate or, or conversation or, or discussion are a good complement uh, to are a good addition to sort of real world meetings and so on but they should never become a replacement uh, I think that probably uh, it would be too much to say that the debate is a, is, is, a, is a kind of a bait to get people to come to the conference. But in my view, the major and main purpose of events and conferences has been to create real-world community. Because, uh, I mean, it's like we've met at, at several uh, conferences. We go to each, other, uh, each other's conferences and we go to things that other people organize. And it's, it's sort of like building, we're building a real-world thing uh that 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 can actually have a life of its own where we help each other out and we're becoming sort of like a family and i think that any political and metapolitical change must be built on real world community it's not built on sort of uh, ideas flo floating around in wherever so in that sense i do believe that the debate is interesting but I think the debate itself is like a fun thing that we do when we meet and we're together. It's not a thing that we do instead of meeting. You know, it's not like uh, TV, a TV sitcom or something, you know, entertainment on that level. I want it to be a serious debate. Uh, and, and I want, you know, a lot of stuff to come out of that debate and people to get their ideas out there. But I, I do think that the primary purpose is always for us to get out there because we can't be sort of hiding 
the bad guys want nothing more than us to be sort of hiding and always to be sort of in the weird corners. Sort of, I, I always liken this to sort of the poison cabinet. They want to put us in the poison cabinet. Yeah, we're allowed to have our freedom of speech, but we're so support of. We're, we're sort of supposed to be in the same corner of the internet as sort of uh, jihadist beheading videos and snuff films and like weird things that are allowed to exist, but as a freak show. The thing is, we have to be out there and sort of be, <laughs> we have to take up space, you know, in the real world and be there and be unashamedly there. And I understand that many people can't put their own names out there and they have to use pseudonyms and so on. But those of us who can and who choose to, we should be out there with our own name. So, yeah, we are going to do this conference uh, in real life and we're going to do it in Zagreb and we're going to do it after uh, this whole corona mess clears up. So it's definitely going to happen. And I, uh, I definitely agree with you about the importance of these conferences because it's a completely different matter when you have a... Uh, the real-life interaction with real people. Uh, and uh, I think it's just good for your soul because we are, all of us, we live in a society that's uh, largely so hostile to us that we are, the media is hostile to us, the entertainment is hostile, the politicians are hostile against us. So it's uh, such a refreshing ex experience to be in that sort of company that you are in a room with 200 other people who all are like-minded and you can uh, safely express your opinions and uh, and uh, you don't have to worry about uh, what the other people will think about you will, will they uh, get that Pavlov's dog reaction uh, to of racism uh, that has been indoctrinated into them, that I think it's just good for the soul to have that sort of interaction. And I remember we talked about these sort of different tactics uh, sometimes on... Um, Happy Homelands with Ramsey Paul, and uh, this is something we sort of uh, had diff differing opinions about, that uh, that uh, uh, I uh, support organizing these conferences, and I, of course, am an organizer of the Awakening Conference in Finland, one of them, and... Uh, and uh, Paul's opinion was more that uh, uh, because uh, these uh, events, of course, will attract Antifa and they will commit violence. And because the media is hostile against us, they will always use these conferences more of like weapons against us. That even if we do nothing wrong, uh, they still will uh, make it seem as if we are the troublemakers, as if we are causing violence. But I think that if we start doing that, that if we start sort of going underground and giving willingly up these methods of activism, when is it actually going to stop that uh, if we uh, say that, uh, well, okay, we are not going to do this sort of activism anymore because of our opposition and uh, we go underground and we just exist basically on online forums and uh, live streams uh, it's not a real-life community and it's not a good basis for activism. And I think it's also a sort of admission that <laughs> as if we are ashamed of ourselves and as if we feel that we are doing something naughty and bad, when in fact I think the we should... Uh, 
always represent our seminars that this is just like any other political or so, uh, social seminar. That it, this is exactly the same as if the Social Democrat Party held a seminar. That we are just people talking about political opinions and we are in no way morally inferior to them. Yeah, I was actually on. Uh, that's actually one of, of, of the most interesting um conversations i've had on happy homelands when i was on there and i had this uh, sort of uh, debate or discussion with the z-man about this very topic uh about us sort of being more underground or, or or being more out there and i'm definitely in favor of being more out there because it's like i've said i've said this many many times and it's sort of a mantra for me that sort of what what does it mean i mean people think that we should win uh we should you know our whatever political nationalist movement we should win but what does that mean what does it mean that we what would that entail in practice that we win well what it means to me is that our ideas have become the new norm And as long as we sort of put ourselves in the frame of mind that we are sort of a fringe thing that is supposed to do fringe, weird fringe, sort of keep among ourselves and be on the fringe, uh, then that could never be the new norm because you sort of self-ghettoize through that behavior. And yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a losing behavior. And it's sort of like some people have criticized me for because I have this uh, this festival that you mentioned, the, the the Cameron Film Festival, and I have different guests on to talk about different films. And some people have criticized me. They have uh, complained that I have uh, E. Michael Jones on uh, or that I have Alexander Dugin on or whatever uh, because they, do, they don't agree with, with some of the things those persons say. But the point is that I also disagree with many things that E. Michael Jones says or many things that Dugan says. But the, <laughs> normal people have also conversations uh, with people they disagree with. And, <laughs> and, and it's like a, 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 a political movement of ideas cannot win by just talking to each other. The whole purpose of having a debate is having debates and discussions and conversations with other people. That's the only way that you can have sort of an exchange of ideas. And it sort of goes both ways that you, it's the only way that you can interact with other people and make your, your ideas spread. And it's sort of like some people don't actually want to succeed with anything. They have sort of created an identity for themselves on the fringe, and they just want to do everything they can to reinforce that fringe sort of ghettoized weirdo identity that, <laughs> so that they don't, you know, um, they don't dare sort of touch anyone else. They, they have to stay in their sort of cult. Uh, I don't want to be a part of any cult. I'm, I'm just a regular guy uh, who my political opinions and my views, uh, social views or whatever, were very normal and sort of very mainstream and were agreed upon to like 99% uh, by almost every mainstream social democratic voter 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Most things, uh, th- that's the thing, we should always reject the sort of extremist identity that, they, that you know, bad guys try to force upon us. Because the point is that everything that I believe, or most of the things that I believe, 
are just everyday normal things. They, they aren't extreme. And I'm not an extremist in any way. I'm just, I'm just a regular guy saying normal things and saying things that most people actually agree with. Yeah, that's also our approach that we are willing to talk to anyone. And uh, we have tried this in real life. But uh, when we try to talk to people, the police comes and uh, I've been to jail uh, many times just for interviewing people in uh, Finland. Finland is a very fascist uh, state, totalitarian state. And uh, on our live streams, we have also asked leftists and uh, for, I, I don't know how, four years we've been live streaming and I have gotten one leftist guy that was willing to uh, talk to us. So it's uh, not it's not very easy, but we are willing to, even on this show, we can... Uh, in, if if some uh, multiculturalist or whatever wants to join this show, we can uh, book them. Yeah, and uh, uh, also one way we uh, try to avoid that uh, marginalizing ourselves in a political bubble is that uh, uh, we we don't simply talk about politics. Uh, the, our viewers actually get much more. Uh, insight about our lives uh, than just about our political views that uh, uh, we talk about our everyday lives uh, uh, what we do when we are not uh, in front of the camera and we don't just do political content we have uh, live streamed like uh, zombie festivals and uh, light <laughs> art festivals and all these other cultural events religious events and things like that so uh, like getting out there in the community taking part in this uh, culture and uh, showing that uh, we are not just our political opinions we are actually normal people doing normal things and living normal lives and I, I and I think that's also one important aspect that uh, uh, nationalists shouldn't uh, over focus on politics that they should also keep in mind that people need to see that they are real people and normal people <laughs> Yeah, uh, th that's one of the problems that, uh, th that sort of nationalism has had for many, many, many decades. It's funny that the sort of uh, um, leftist uh, mainstream culture and the mass media and the films and sort of films have always tried to ridicule nationalists as very sort of lowbrow working class uh, silly people and sort of people who can't sort of defend their ideas rationally or anything like that. Uh, like the sort of uh, William Pierce always used to 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 call it the Archie Bunker type. Uh, Archie Bunker is a guy from uh, uh, an, an old American TV show who was like uh, he had conservative ideas, but he was sort of like a Homer Simpson character that people would ridicule and no one would want to be identified with him. And that's the sort of image people have of people with uh, of like that's the image that the mainstream has of nationalists or anyone with more conservative ideas or anything like that. The problem has been the opposite that we have been over cerebral. It's like been over logical over sort of rational, uh, is like uh, there's been this superstition that if we just produce perfect arguments and perfect books and these long, heavy texts that no one will read, if we just produce them, then we'll win because those are the arguments. And that's an extremely sort of high IQ, autistic way of seeing the world that, is, that has very little to do with reality. Uh, and I've, I've often said this, that uh, in ancient 
rhetoric. Uh, they used to say that there are three modes of persuasion, that how you convince other people, and they call them logos, pathos, and ethos, uh, where logos obviously is like the arguments, the, the logic, and, and the facts, and all the sort of intelligence-directed uh, things. And then there's the pathos, which is uh, your emotions. Like if, if, if you tell a story that is, uh, if, if you, for example, uh, the perfect example is Island, the the boy that was drowned and was ended up on the beach in 2015. Uh, that they showed on all TV channels to uh, to 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 awaken the sort of emotions in people that would make them complacent to mass immigration, for example. That's the pathos part. Ethos is is sort of an aspect of the speaker or the, the person communicating that that person is relatable. And many people have said that that is the most important aspect of uh, persuasion, of sort of, of the most important element of communication is the communicator. Because uh, being social creatures, being social animals, if we find the person that we talk to, if we find that person relatable, then we can relate to whatever that person says. No matter how good arguments that person has, if we don't find that person relatable, if we think that's like a weird person uh, that, that we can't really understand, there's something odd about them uh, because they're too, I don't know, it's in some way. It doesn't have to be like in a positive or negative way because I believe that even very high IQ people who have all the right credentials, they can be a Nobel Prize winner if they are... If they are weird, if they seem hostile, if they are weird in any way, I think that they are bad. Uh, they, they are not as effective in communication as a relatable person. So that is how communication works. That if we find the person talking, uh, if we find that person relatable, then we are also persuaded by what that person says. Because it's like whenever we hear a message, uh, like the majority of people and, and, and most of us, it doesn't mean that you're stupid, but the majority of people, including me and you and everyone else listening to this, most of the time, if it's a topic we don't know a whole lot about, if someone says something, our first reaction uh, isn't really, well, what are the facts here? Have I analyzed the facts? Do I have all the facts? What are the logical arguments involved? The first reaction, and this, this is sort of pre-rational, it is like, who is saying this? If, if that person is like, oh, well, that's a nice person that I would like to invite to whatever party and introduce to my, <laughs> to my uh, colleagues and family, if that person says that, well, maybe I can say that as well. That's the sort of first reflection we have. And a big problem with white nationalism and nationalism uh, is that the way we had of communicating about these things for decades actually before uh, up until podcasts and live streams and things like this started was we wrote books you know they were writing books in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s they wrote these big books and they wrote magazines and whatever but that doesn't work because you're not persuaded by ideas you're persuaded by people and it's first when this started happening in uh, like the early 2010s uh, that or, or 2014 maybe there that, that that 
podcasts started appearing, that people heard real voices and they actually sort of, when they drove to, to work, they listened to other people and sort of becomes like a person that you know when you hear their voices all the time. And it's first when you can actually start relating to the people behind the message that you can start taking the message seriously. And that's why I agree that it's, it's, it's an immensely important thing that we have this sort of relatable thing uh, that it's like these are normal people saying these things. Well, that means that you can also consider them because, well, they're just like you. Yeah, before 2015, you had m most of... Uh the alternative politicians uh, wrote blogs and uh, some of them got through in the parliament or or the city council but nowadays it's much more interesting to see what they are like on video and that's why mm. that's where the power of uh, videos or live streams especially live streams uh, resides because we never will uh, be broadcast on uh, on the public tv networks and about you said that we shouldn't uh, allow us to be uh, put in the same box as the jihadists and uh, other people. But uh, in Finland, the government uh, publishes every year a report about the violent extremists in Finland. And they have four categories. Uh, one is the violent uh, extremist far right. One is the violent extremist far left. One is the jihadists. And uh, one is the... Uh, the echo warriors or, or some thing like that. And uh, we have uh, been following these reports and we have commented. Yesterday they published their latest report and we've followed them and it's basically every year it's the cop same copy-paste and they have modified a few lines. Uh, and they currently in Finland we have almost 400 jihadists. Uh, four years ago we had uh, 300. And they portray always the violent extremist leftist as uh, yeah there's a couple of anti anti-fascists uh, that uh, do this and that but uh, when the section about the far right is uh, always uh, very uh, very extensive and they they put any any group that uh, even is not a group and the uh, funny thing is that yesterday they published the latest and in that report we are mentioned uh, or the awakening conference is mentioned and uh, it's a bit like uh, fake news because they they claim that the awakening two conference uh, people that attended it caused trouble before the conference and after the conference and uh, we and that we also caused uh, uh, like disturbances in the nightlife of Turku ah <laughs> so you were in the awakening too. Uh, I was there filming the event, and uh, Tina was uh, hosting the event. So we we were there. So we have a pretty good understanding what happened. So maybe the so what is uh, what was like your experience of the conference and the after party and all that? What do you remember about it? Well, uh, I have to say, first of all, that it's very generous of uh, of, of the government, uh, of the Finnish government, to include left-wing extremists uh, in the sort of extremist label, because the the institution that published a paper that led uh, finally to the arrest of Greg Johnson and the sabotage of the Scanza Forum conference in November last year in Oslo, 
The, it's it's published. Uh, it's it's written and produced by a institution on the uh, in the Norwegian in the Oslo University Police College, a section of that called CREX, which is uh, the Research Institute on Right Wing Extremism. So they already in the title of the institute they define which groups they they. Uh, they target and obviously for political reasons because it's not political extremism it's right-wing extremism so i have to say that uh, i'm impressed by the finnish uh, finnish even-handedness in this <laughs> uh, but but yeah it's it's a funny it's it's funny because it's always you know i've uh, like i've said I've, I've i've been involved in this for a, a long time and every time that i have seen a demonstration or anyone being in public like nationalists uh, and they just do their thing they give a speech or whatever and they are violently attacked by masked mobs of leftists throwing rocks at the police and whatever so it's it's, it's basically most of the time like 95 percent of the time nationalists are not even involved in the in the sort of fighting they're not even involved in being attacked by the leftists it's the left leftists attacking the cops but every time in every single headline in the mass media you will read you will every single time you will read that uh fight broke out at a nazi rally or something like that nazi violence in the street <laughs> when, when it's like without exception it's nationalists that are on the receiving end of any aggression and attack and violence and uh, i mean it's because it's corrupt it's because it's fake news and it's the same thing with this obviously uh i mean i was at the awakening and I didn't see any protesters again uh, outside of the uh, uh, the venue. I saw some people on the other side of the street filming from a distance. And then afterwards, we went out to get a bite to eat and have a few beers. And then we went to another bar. And in that bar, I think you were recognized, Eunice, and some guy came up and, and sort of assaulted you and started shouting and uh, told us to leave the the bar and uh, we just sat there minding our own business uh, not even a fight broke out so yeah that was that was all the sort of uh, aggression that was involved and as always uh, it's you know people on our side that are on the re- receiving end of of the aggression but i mean is the people who can create the narrative, they, they can just create any narrative they want. They can just lie. They can be shameless liars all they want because we don't really have the reach to contradict them other than, you know, our own channels to say, to sort of set the record straight. Because everyone knows that if that was true, if it was true that we did half of what the left wing does toward us, then you know, people, <laughs> the, the police wouldn't hesitate attacking us with like machine guns. <laughs> they would, they wouldn't hold back. They would hold no punches. They would pull no punches. They would go after us full force if we actually did any of the things we're accused of. And everyone knows that. Everyone knows that this is just a lie. If we were any, I mean, the, the point is that we have been persecuted and we have been treated unfairly by 
by the legal system and by the mass media and by everyone for so many decades and for so long that we have become experts at following the rules. So if we just keep everyone to the law as it exists, uh, then, then you know, the, the, the other side would be convicted all the time. But, you know, they get away with anything they do. But the point is that, that we, and everyone knows this, also in the legal system, that we know that we're not judged by the same measurements as anyone else. All the odds are stacked against us. And because of that, we have become experts at following every single rule. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's just bullshit. It, it was uh, pretty hilarious uh, how the things went down in that uh, last bar we went to. Uh, like, we were just minding our own business there. Everybody was having a great time. Like, uh, everybody was elated about how much fun we had at the conference and how smoothly everything went there. And then out of the blue comes this uh, crazy, left, very drunken leftist guy. And he even had the woman with him that, who had very much makeup on and she looked very, like, uh, skanky, I would say, like this... Uh, she had ripotisi. That's the only word I can say in Finnish. Yeah, ripotisi. <laughs> I, I even I, I didn't even see that woman. Uh, my yeah, <laughs> she had like a, the horrible, like a messy makeup on, like the sort of a woman you would see if you went to like uh, some sleazy pub at afternoon. That's a, that sort of a woman, and she was even more drunk than the guy. And the guy started screaming, "Oh my God, there are Nazis here! There are Nazis here!" and And uh, it started demanding that the staff would throw us out, but because we weren't doing anything, of course the staff wasn't wouldn't throw us out. And no. they managed to calm him him down for a while. And uh, I think a, a, a half an hour or something went smoothly again. Then the guy came back with uh, with his screaming, and his especially he, he seemed to hate Eunice and. And it was that fuck you, Eunice Rocka, fuck you, and uh, and then he, she, he had that crazy drunken woman behind her, and she was like uh, screaming drunkenly, equality, 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 and I remember like everybody in our in in our crew like were just singing at all and some were just laughing like crazy because it was so hilarious this. Bizarre, like uh, <laughs> like a dinner with the show or drinks with the show, and and of course that put the bar owner in a sort of difficult situation because uh, he knew that if he threw the troublemaker out, like the couple who were harassing us, then they would complain about it to all of their antifa buddies, and they would then target this restaurant online. That uh, oh look, they they threw the anti-fascists out, but let the Nazis stay there, and then mm. they would have to struggle with boycott campaigns and broken windows and all that. So the bar owner was basically left with no other choice than to close the bar early and kick everybody out. And it was funny because I was one of the last ones leaving the bar. Most of the guys were already outside and I heard what the police and this Antifa couple were talking and... Uh, 
he had been such a bi- tough guy there screaming at us when bouncers and a lot of staff were present. But then when he actually had to go outside, that the police were telling them to leave the restaurant so that the owner can close, uh, he he kept screaming to the police that he cannot go outside because there are Nazis there and they will kill me. And then when finally they got him to leave, he had a cab waiting for him and he just sprinted into the cab <laughs> in a, such a scared and panicked way that it was it was absolutely hilarious. Like it was surreal. Like it's in, insane experience to like wit, witness with your own eyes this far left madness how how crazy and surreal and absurd and embarrassing it can be yeah and i yep. i think i think the the incident started with me entering the the pub because uh, when i went to the the uh, to order my beer this guy came up to me and said fuck you fuck off mm-hmm. and uh, i i didn't know who this guy was but we un- identified him afterwards that uh, he's a uh, he organizes gigs like querel uh, it's a queer festival that uh, it used to be a queer festival in finland but then it got bankrupt yeah, so <laughs> he failed but there were lots of cops if you you remember and, yeah, yeah yeah and uh, despite the heavy presence of cops they the Ministry of Interior managed to create this fake news in their own report. And they, well, the report has an English abstract, but the report is only in Finnish. And uh, here it says that the far right organized uh, the Awakening 2 conference in Turku. And uh, there were disturbances before and after the conference. And oh. also the left-wing uh, party uh, was uh, targeted in videos uh, after the awakening conference two two guys went to uh, disturb the leftist because the, it was also the elections uh, the parliamentary elections in Finland at the same time and they they say that a part of the awakening uh, participants, created disturbances in the night of Turku. Right. Okay, so the, the disturbances were that... Uh, we, we got harassed. We, Our presence is uh, a harassment. Well, what happened? Did anything happen uh, even like that before the conference, though? No, that the, this report is the first time I have ever even heard anyone, even the leftists, uh, haven't claimed that there were any disturbances before the conference. So this report yeah. is the first time I even hear such a claim. So I haven't. I I think they just made that up. Yeah, I mean these people they have they have like um, they're like hall monitor. Uh, they have like hall monitor mentality. You know the thing in like American films, like when you have. Uh, well, it's probably in American reality as well, but like you, you have some some uh, obedient, very sort of good boy uh, students that get the job of sort of being the the hall cop. That you're sort of you have to check that everyone is allowed to walk in the in in, in the school and sort of because you're appointed by 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 the the adults. Uh, 
to do that. And it's the same thing. These people, they know that they have that they have sort of permission from 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 daddy to to sort of be rude to some people and it's so so they, they they can misbehave and that's their only way because you know this guy probably you know he 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 didn't have a very attractive woman and he had his uh, you know a lot to feel feel bad about uh, and and it's his is his chance to sort of try to be tough uh, in front of uh, you know his friends or whatever he just failed and that's that's just typical it's someone who's drunk and they're a bit harassed at home and you know it, it, it's, it's it's sort of they're not the boss at home and they're not the boss anywhere so they when they have permission when they have like the golden ticket they have a pass to misbehave and be a bit wild then they're sort of you know i can i can scream you know at some people when i have the whole of the world backing me up because now i have permission to finally say something these people are just creeps they they're weirdos i mean it's pathetic they don't have the balls to say anything they don't have the balls to stand for any ideas they don't even have ideas i mean they just have a permission they just have you know they they have um a chance to sort of try to go after some people who are not allowed to defend themselves. And then that's their chance to play tough. It, it's, it's pathetic. I mean, th- this guy is disgusting. And, and so are like all those, those kinds of people, you know, uh, Ted Kaczynski, he wrote, uh, in his, in his manifesto, or whatever, uh, he, which is kind of interesting. He had sort of many psychological insights into the left. And he said that they, they have this disgusting sort of masochistic streak in them that they sort of, they love to sort of chain themselves up to something and then get beaten by the cops so that they can complain about how much they're victims and how everything, how the world should feel sorry for them. I mean, these people are just psychologically weird. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, Yeah, I I really believe so. And you can tell that uh, they are always deeply profoundly discontent and unhappy people that uh, mm. uh, they they are not happy with how things are going on in their lives and you can often even see them admit it in when they when you see them discussing amongst themselves online that uh, oh my studies aren't my university studies aren't going anywhere my boyfriend left me and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, I applied for this uh, grant for my new book and I didn't get it again. And and uh, it's this constant complaining. And I guess uh, they want to find some sort of a, um, something to hate, something to take their minds of, away from their own lives. And uh, what, ang- what makes them angrier than anything is seeing happy nationalists that uh, yeah. I I have noticed it myself because I post a lot of different stuff on Twitter, for example, that uh, live stream links, political con- opinions and uh, political news and things like that. But I also post stuff like uh, when I uh, photos of my pastries that I have been baking or crafts or other projects I'm doing around the house. And I have noticed that uh, the things that makes, make the left is always most, the most triggered are the completely normal things, like if I have baked something or Yunes and I are doing something fun together, we are going camping or something. It's it's always what triggers them the most because uh, it it's a reminder to them that, that 
their uh, way of living has been such a failure and our way of living is proving to be such a success that we are actually living happy, consent lives and uh, it's a constant reminder for them of how they chose the wrong path in life. I think that's pretty much it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is this is sort of a very typical sort of low testosterone uh, behavior. Men they don't they don't know really how to how to behave around women. They don't know how to attract women. All they do is to try to sort of supplicate and, and please and and sort of it's very sort of low. They, they don't dare to be assertive, and so they adapt. They adopt everything that is that is said to be acceptable you know i would never step out of line i would never say anything that that's even slightly challenges what anyone else thinks i'm just like this nobody this wallflower and they try to blend in and they try to be sort of feminist to get like a, even a little breadcrumb but but it doesn't work and and you know they just see someone who is like relaxed and you know say uh well i just say what i actually believe i don't pretend I don't need to do that, and uh, I, I'm just out there having fun, and I I can just you know I, I can just say whatever I, I can speak my mind, and I can be whatever authentic person I can, and it works, and uh, you know it it gets me whatever I need in life, you know, and you lead an actually successful life, and you have what they want. And you have it through doing like the opposite of what they're trying to do, like trying to blend in and trying to be, oh, I'm not offensive. I'm not. And they, they just try to supplicate and they're so pathetic and it doesn't work. And yeah, I think it leads to a lot of frustration because they, they, they're just failures at everything. They're, they're, they're not, they try to pretend that they're rebels, you know, they try to pretend that they're rebels, but everything, almost everything they say and believe is like protected by the state. That's not being a rebel, guys. That's not being a rebel. If everything, everything you do gets you a pat on the back by the government and like, that's the thing with these sort of leftist people that they sort of, they're rebellious against the sort of the, the, the rich and the capitalists and everything, but it's, is the rich people patting them on the back. You know, they get rewards for everything. We are the ones getting deplatformed for everything we say. So, yeah, there is just some sort of very low self-esteem behind that. And they just don't know how to navigate in the world. And I think they're very frustrated from seeing other people just being normal and not giving a shit. And when those people succeed, they're sort of uh, very put off by it and sort of very sort of nervous. I think they're nervous and, uh, yeah, I think they have low self-esteem. There's something wrong with these people. I can't take them seriously. Yeah, of course, in Finland, they don't have a very heavy uh, street presence, but they are very active uh, by, for example, calling uh, calling the, the, the owners. Like, uh, was it in 2015, we had a conference, so we we published the, the flyer, and uh, we had the University of Helsinki we had booked. And mm-hmm. uh, a few days before, the Helsinki, the university told us that, okay, you are, we are cancelling you. I, w- I was very uh, uh, surprised at that time. And then we made another flyer saying that, okay, the new place is this, this new place. And uh, 
then the new place calls us and says, you are cancelled. Then we published mm. a third flyer saying, okay, we will be at this location. And uh, we again, again, we were called that, okay, no, this is cancelled. We were like, why? And uh, the final place, they didn't cancel us. And uh, so uh, it's the same place where we had the awakening number one in mm-hmm. Helsinki. And as you remember, there was only one protester one another guy uh, tried to burn and he some. was on a bike ready to escape if anyone sort of shouted at him yeah and i went to interview him but he was a mute <laughs> he's a polish uh, astronomy student or something and uh, the one guy tried to burn one car but um at the turku conference which was mentioned in this uh, report there were f- there were four uh, protesters and also they called the restaurant and they were very aggressive towards the restaurant. But if you compare it to other European countries like uh, or Scandinavian countries like uh, Copenhagen, where your conference uh, was in uh, October, well, the, the time pointing the double standards, I think everybody knows this, so it's not interesting. But imagine we were protesting some of their <laughs> retarded conference with oh, uh, some uh, they, they had a communist flag they had imagine we went with our flags the cops wouldn't let us uh, do that and that's uh, well everybody knows this but it's it's good to i think it's good to 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 point this out because imagine it was a uh, like social democrat or a green party uh, yeah. conference and we were there uh, preventing people from entering and uh, shouting and playing some loud, uh, crappy music and uh, fighting the police and, uh, uh, but but still yeah. they managed to get to to be the good guys and uh, have a good uh, view in the the media. So it is, of course, the media is corrupt. So we have to bypass that. But uh, yeah, how? What I is mean, this? yeah. Definitely. I mean, give me a break. If that would have happened, if if we were the ones blocking the entrance to a, like you said, social democratic meeting or whatever, and we had like a violent, aggressive mob of masked people standing outside, and we were st- preventing people from entering the venue, even preventing speakers from entering the venue, punching guests trying to get in, pulling their clothes, spitting at them, and also attacking a guy, a delivery guy, who had nothing to do with with our private meeting. And this was a private meeting. This was a private meeting that we hadn't announced the location in public because we wanted to keep it private, and we just wanted the people who should be there to be there, uh, and so we could just be in, you know, be there uh, left alone. But no. These people came there and they did all these things, assaulted, even assaulted the guy delivering the food. They stole the food, threw it out on the street. When I talked to the police and I said, uh, well, these guys can't be allowed to block the entrance to our venue and prevent people from coming in and assaulting people. He said, well, they also have a freedom of speech. So, you know, we have to, well... This wasn't a freedom. It's not freedom of speech when you assault people and try to prevent them from going to a, a private meeting. And if we did that, like you said, they wouldn't. They would have been very quick to pull their guns. And I mean that literally. If we did anything 
a tenth of what they did to us, they would have been very quick to pull their guns. But those those scumbags were allowed to go on and assault people unhindered by the police that was there in big numbers. And all throughout the day, I just asked the police, well, when are you going to remove these people? Well, well, it's coming. We might do that later. It was, it was just a disgrace. It's, it's, just, it's completely disgraceful. I mean, the, everyone knows who is disturbing the, the, the peace. I mean, I've, I've talked to so many policemen uh, uh, throughout the years, and everyone, everyone who has worked as a police officer, who has any experience of these situations, everyone knows that it is the leftists who attack uh, both the police and the, the whoever it is going to a political meeting, uh, a peaceful private political meeting. That's what they do. And that is an outspoken uh, strategy. The point is, and I've said this a hundred times, and I think it bears repeating because some people have finally caught on to this uh, because I've pointed it out. And I'm going to sort of take credit for it because I don't think people have taken this seriously enough anymore uh, before. And that is that Antifa is a terrorist organization because Antifa isn't a organization with a sort of their movement and they have a political agenda and they argue for their agenda and they give arguments and they have like a political program, whatever. Their only purpose as a group is to use force, illegal force, to intimidate other people from expressing their political views. They're trying to either attack them physically or to uh, intimidate them by by the threat of violence. They're using violence or the threat of violence to sabotage the freedom of speech. I've even said, uh, I've even said that you know uh, that 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 I've compared this because they always throw out the Breivik card. Oh, it's like Breivik, whatever. I've even said that uh, they are, in that sense, more terrorists. Than Breivik, that Breivik isn't really a terrorist in that sense because he has he has he he is a criminal who committed a massacre and killed a lot of people, but he didn't successfully prevent anyone from expressing their political views. If that was his purpose, I don't know if that was his purpose. But the violent left, the Antifa left, they prevent people all the time, every day, from expressing their, per- their, their their political views. And therefore, they are terrorists because they successfully, their, their strategy that they have employed for decades has been successful in preventing people from expressing their views. Because yeah, people are afraid f- of being attacked by them. And they and the, the police just lets them, well, they're just it's just a small sort of misdemeanor, whatever. No, they're a threat to, to our political system and our political freedom, and they should be thrown in jail for life for doing things like that. That is, that should be the first principle. If any society claims to be an open society and a democracy, that their their first principle should should be to throw anyone who uh, tries to intimidate others from expressing their political views, anyone who tries to do that should be locked up uh, forever, basically, because they should just be kept away. That should just be signaled out to everyone that this is completely unacceptable. But the left always gets away with it, even without a slap on the wrist. But for some reason, they only attack us, I have noticed. Uh, If uh, any other mainstream politician is uh, having a rally or anything, 
even the so-called yeah. right wing in Finland, they they will never be disturbed disturbed by this. I, yeah. I remember in 2016 we had, a, or was it 2018? I can't remember. We had a, a rally in Helsinki against terrorism. Well, the Antifa came there and the police let them shout there and disturb our event. But I have mm-hmm. never seen these same people try and disturb uh, mainstream politicians. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to see. And uh, another point is that uh, I've also noticed and I've been uh, criticizing the police in Finland for this, that uh, people say that, yeah, but they have orders. I wonder what 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 the orders are uh, when when the when we have a, <laughs> a a meeting or something is the police like in their before they 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 come there are they like uh, okay uh, your orders are let the antifa do what they want but uh, the other people you you must uh, be very violent against them uh, how, <laughs> yeah, how are yeah. these orders distributed to the the, the the common police officers that is yeah. one thing that I, i've tried to ask this from the finnish police but they never never have mm. uh, replied to me yeah these are these are things that just permeate culture you know who is you know that it's open season on that and that person and you can go after and you can do anything you want against them because no one will care but but these and these people no 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 you can't even i mean it, it, it's it's like i've said many many times that you know the, the thing we have to deal with <laughs> is the discrepancy in in whatever situation i don't know you know how far i can go in expressing my views on this channel but you know <laughs> i don't know i don't want to deplatform you the point is that when we are dealing with the problems of mass immigration into our part of the world and we have thousands of women gang raped we have children being urinated on we have uh they the, the attack elderly people 90 year old women and uh they they kill people they make the streets uh unsafe people are afraid to go out definitely at night in many areas of the country uh, i i hear that finland has a nice new tradition of beheadings all those things are the things we have to deal with what they have to deal with and and the sort of the the evil thing that gets all the attention is if we say a bad word that's the discrepancy here I mean, we are supposed to just accept and take all this abuse and violence and terrorism against us, but we're not allowed to just say an angry word. That's the worst thing. We have to sort of, oh, we have to have very measured sort of, oh, scientific this and this and that. If we say a word in anger about whatever is happening, oh, that's the bad thing. Then we have to go to jail. You know, that's the discrepancy. And, you know, every, it, it just permeates the culture. And, and, and you know, people know what they get a, a reward for and what they get a punishment for. Cops also know that. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely certain that they know which side their bread is buttered on, as, as the expression goes. I know that they definitely know uh, what their orders are. And, yeah, I believe you that there, there are they have orders to behave like this because it's not the everyday person's opinion that this should be this should be how, how it all works. And what I find uh, really intriguing that that this has been a special interest of mine for a long time is to try to understand that the far left uh, SJW mindset that what uh, make uh, makes them tick, uh, how they actually see the world and how they uh, like uh, rationalize 
their own positions uh, to themselves, how they uh, uh, how they handle like mentally uh, all the contradictions that they uh, that their ideology includes. And I I have been at it for let's say four years now, trying to understand. Uh, how these people see the world, and I, I feel that I'm, I'm not getting anywhere. I, I am no closer to understanding their, what makes them tick, and what's going on in their heads that I was four years ago. Like, uh, like this thing that um, uh, you cannot even imagine uh, such a horrific crime. Uh, like let's say a gang rape of a child or something like that. You cannot even imagine uh, a, a crime, even on a theoretical level, that would uh, get the SJWs as outraged as one tweet from one of us will get them. So it makes it's, it. It just makes me wonder that. Don't these people see this themselves? That okay, you say that you are for women's rights, but why is that? Why is it that you are screaming at me, a person who is trying to decrease the amount of rapes and who actually has a <laughs> practical solution? Why aren't you screaming at rapists? Why aren't you screaming at people uh, who are enforcing policies that bring in rapists and cause more sex offenses to happen? So it. It's it's very difficult. Do you uh, do you have any idea? Like, uh, have you gotten any closer to understanding these people? Yeah, I mean, uh, leftism leftism is, is is an ideology based on what uh, what Nietzsche called resentment, or well, in 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 French, he used a French term, uh, which is basically a feeling of inferiority combined with anger. And then a tr- an attempt to sort of get back, and basically, it's sort of like uh, Rousseau had a had a passage in, in his book Emile about um, uh, you know you should sort of beware of the philosophers who just care about people on the other side of the planet but don't give a shit about their neighbors. Sort of that's the sort of mentality that oh you can you can these these are sort of sociopath. Uh, tendencies where they 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 can signal and they can sort of give money to the other side of the planet and they're sort of oh, they're so good but 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 it, but not in their neighborhood i've seen we've seen plenty of examples of this when all this sort of goody two disgusting people there's a guy called Teppas Fogelberg in in Sweden who is like a show TV, a radio show host of a, of a sort of a thing on on the radio in the mornings where uh listeners call in and just give their opinions about things and he's he's the host so he accepts the calls and of course it's like a lot of old people because old people listen to the radio uh so they call in and they say that you know I'm afraid to go out and and he's just vile he's like an old sort of disgusting communist like a real sort of uh, you know it's like like you can almost imagine that he's like a pedophile sort of hiding in this sort of virtue signaling bullshit shell uh and, and the thing is like he's like always nasty to these old women calling in and saying you know i don't like the way the society is going now he's nasty to them he's like disgusting but then oh all of a sudden he lives in like in a sort of nice part. I think he lives in the nice part of of, of Stockholm that isn't sort of very sort of badly hit by by those problems of mass immigration and so on. But oh, all of a sudden, you know, 
uh, with with when Gypsy started showing out, uh, showing up in in outside his doorstep, and all the other journalists. Oh, it's it's a problem with sanitation and it's a problem with this and that these people are self-serving scumbags they're really disgusting um, and the thing is like marxism is uh, is an ideology leftism is an ideology based on envy and envy is a vice in my book it's like it's like it, envy is like a pathetic thing you don't want to be envy you don't want to be motivated by envy but the whole their whole worldview is motivated by envy they just want to get back at people who they, you know, they, they, they feel some sort of inferiority and they want to get back at people. And that is the whole thing. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with someone in, when I was at university once and he was like, uh, you know, it was like, this is about like, economy. I, I've never given a shit about economy. But anyhow, he said that he would rather uh, to sort of even out inequalities, economic inequalities uh, in society, he would rather the sort of everyone became a lot poorer uh, just the differences were evened out rather than uh, sort of like, uh, for example, if I gave you, uh, if I gave you a uh, hundred dollars more a month, but, 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 but I get, you get a hundred dollars more per month and I get $200 more per month. Well, everyone benefits, uh, but no, 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 because that's, that's unequal. It's better that everyone is a lot poorer and suffers a lot more, but everyone suffers the same. Because otherwise they 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 get envious. That's their whole sort of worldview. And uh, D.H. Lawrence, he actually wrote about this that you know that you have many of these Christians. Their only motivation in life is to be like the virtue signal, so that they can shame other people who are not as virtuous and good and Christian as them. That's their whole world. Their, their whole only thing that nourishes them, and that's the sort of leftist mentality that they. They just they just want to get you. They just want to be like, oh, I I virtue signal, and it's like a, it's like the will to power. That's so, that's their only weapon in life to to sort of to 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 make it. That's their only weapon. That's their only thing that they have to fight with because they're very sort of pathetic. Otherwise, they don't have anything positive going for them. So what they can do is to try to shame others, and they don't give a shit about you know whoever gets raped or whatever. It, it's it's like it's it's their it's their chance to sort of virtue signal. That's the only thing that's sort of important to them. And yeah, you know, it, it's like uh, th there was this, this kid uh, who was who was raped in the schoolyard. A, a girl, like a 10-year-old girl, was raped in her school. And the headmaster in school, this is in Sweden, like a couple of years ago in Sweden, and the headmaster in the school covered it up. And it's only like afterwards that parents found out about it and uh, were outraged. But the headmaster covered it up because keeping the political narrative is more important than anything else. You see the same thing in these people who have their kids killed. They have kids murdered by whatever, you know, uh, Africans or something. And they're sort of, now, the worst thing that could happen is that someone actually drew conclusions from this and sort of reacted. No, 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 that that mustn't happen. We have to sort of start a, a, a sort of a, a, an anti-racist organization in her name because she was murdered by a, a black person. <laughs> I mean, this is, these are insane people. 
but yeah i do think that that is their that is their core sort of uh, on a subconscious level i don't think it's like they think about this but i think that's how they're motivated that they are quite pathetic but they're motivated by that's their only it's sort of their chance to bully someone they're motivated by sort of sort of sort of nasty desire because they're pathetic and everything else and then they're sort of it's their chance to sort of give it to stick it to someone and 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 uh, and now they're it gives them a sort of a feeling of power and i don't buy it it's it's sort of motivated by whatever you they get rewarded for is this uh, Fogelberg guy uh, on a state radio or is it a private uh, radio yeah teppas teppa i think his name is uh, is is spelled t a P-P-A-S. He's blind, uh, you know, not only on a moral level, but also on a physical level. He wears sunglasses because he's blind. But, um, but is, it, is it a state uh, TV radio show? Yeah, P P one. He okay. is the thing. I don't know. Maybe he's dead now, but this was like uh, years ago. Uh, where he, he's very famous for that. He's always like very nasty to yeah. old people who call in. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't really listen to the Finnish radio shows. Uh, unless uh, there's a very specific topic. But I, I suppose we have the same kind of uh, people. At least we have in the, the written newspapers, we have yeah. the same guys. And these people that get outraged by talking about the rapes, uh, I've been uh, uh, contacted by one guy that uh, his girl was raped and the girl committed suicide. So the, the father was angry at me and you probably yeah. remember when we were in the baltic states yeah we talked a lot about uh, these uh, things and we were in tallinn in february the 23rd and the next day we came to back to oulu because i had a city council meeting and you know what in that city council meeting i talked about the grooming gangs for mm-hmm. 10 minutes and uh, city censored my speech from their youtube channel <laughs> and uh, i asked why did you censor this uh, and they said oh because the police has uh, made a report about your speech <laughs> so actually my speech against the grooming gangs was uh, incitement against uh, ethnic uh, or whatever and well it happened in february but they the police still hasn't interrogated me Mm. because it's the corona thing so uh, they would prefer that a thousand girls would be raped and and suffer in silence rather than one person talking about the problem that's, uh, that's uh, yeah exactly and going back to that uh, strange left-wing mentality even on an individual level i <clears throat> spot these behaviors every day that i just it's just impossible for me to try to understand Uh, what makes these people tick like when every morning uh, when I have my cup of coffee at hand and I check my messages uh, on uh, Facebook and Twitter I find my Twitter notifications are always uh, uh, filled with these uh, same uh, left-wing or far-left trolls who follow everything I do and uh, even though they despise me and they Uh, feel the need to comment everything I do. They try to find something to whine about for every each one of my tweets, even if it's uh, just some home stuff like baking or crafts. They try to find something to whine about, and uh, uh, 
and uh, it's just strange to me to think that okay what sort of person you are and what your life is like when that is your life that you basically 24/7 you follow online people you hate that's what you do and then you try to find something uh, to tweet these lame burns or jabs at them and then you uh, uh, write to Tina Vick that yeah you're a Nazi whore and then you feel that yes now I have done my service to the world for today now I have fought racism what why would you do that like that sounds really exhausting and a negative way of living like I would hate to fill my life with something like that by following people I despise and trying to pick fights with them that that would just fill my own life with negativity and I can't imagine how it would feel like to be that angry all the time because these people they are always angry so why would someone do that why would someone turn their own life into that well my guess is that they are being paid by the Finnish state or the European Union or or (laughs) or other places Russia or yeah, but I mean, it, it is sort of like, I, I mean, I think it's a mistake to believe on a serious note. I think it's a mistake to believe that everyone is motivated by rationality or any way sort of noble, uh, noble sentiments and noble ambitions that they want to make things be- better or whatever. The thing is that these people, uh, they, they, they can claim to be good. But at the same time, they have a license to bully people. And isn't that golden? Isn't that golden that they can, they can be all good and just virtue signal and virtue signal? But they have a license to be nasty as well. But they, you can only be nasty at this person. It's sort of like in, in 1984. Uh, it's like uh, 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 when they have like the, whatever, four minutes of hate or something, when they sort of scream at, at the bad guy, Goldstein. <laughs> and the thing is that yeah people people are like that and when we have a society that's based on lies that there are no good and evil or that, that well there are good good and evil but there are no friends and enemies in that way because they say they always say they always say they always say that you guys make a distinction between us and them well you recognize that they make a distinction between us and them but but it's always like you bad guys aren't a part of us so it's like they always need that thing because it's a thing in human reality and nature, but they have a license. Now they have a free pass to be nasty and, and to, to vent all these negative emotions, but they can do that freely uh, against against a certain group of people. And that's us because we're, we're the bad guys. So, I mean, this society that sort of pretends that there are no, no conflicts, everything is just like business and economy and so on. Well, it's still that part of human nature. And that's how they, that's how they vent those emotions because they have a license to do that against us. And I think that's sort of a large part of the thing because you can still be a very good and virtuous pe- person. In fact, it, it makes you even more virtuous uh, that you're nasty to a certain group of people. Yeah, if you, and, yeah. If, if you want a prime example of the two-minute hate, uh, go to any Trump's tweet and look at the replies. They are full of yeah. uh, this. Uh, what People, a, yeah. whatever. It's insanity over and, there. And uh, Trump blocked some of these uh, guys, and the courts uh, said that Trump has no right to block them. 
even though they are hate speech. So they, at the same time, they are against hate speech, but the courts say, okay, this hate speech is okay. So it's a, uh, it, it is, it, it's a, uh, it is mind blowing this, uh, these double standards again. And and yeah. when it comes to these uh, uh, very hostile people online, these uh, far leftists, I have noticed that they uh, have a specific styles, men and women there, that the women are always very openly hostile because of their feminism. And they often even have their hostility as their identity in their Twitter bio, that they they have Twitter bios that say stuff like, bad bitch, uh, shoot, <laughs> shoot your mouth at me uh, at your own risk. So, so they make hostility and being a ho- horrible person, their identity so much that they actually put it in their Twitter bio that, yeah, I'm a hostile, horrible person. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the men, on the other hand, they always are passive-aggressive. Uh, the far-left women more often use their own name and face on Twitter, but the far-left men always uh, use uh, like uh, aliases online and cover up their their real identity. And instead of this very direct hosti- hostility that the women show, they always have this very feminine, passive-aggressive Uh, style of uh, uh, trying to throw jabs at people and they also have this very clear resentment against women and that you can sell that because in their own circles they are not allowed to show any sort of male (laughs) traits like male aggression in an any in any healthy way Yeah, and that creates resentment against women because they are oppressed by women in their own scene. The women set the rules, and the male men only have to follow them. The men don't have a say in how they must behave. It's the women who tell in the leftist scene the men how the men should be. So these men create these fake accounts online. And then they come to vent their anger and frustration at women uh, to nationalist women because they feel that it's something socially acceptable to do to uh, try to vent this insane hatred that they have built up against women, against nationalist women. And I also think it sort of annoys them to notice the difference between the nationalist women and the women in their own scene that they have these... Uh, uh, blue-haired, fat feminists who have uh, 10 different mental illnesses listed in their Twitter bio. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that's pretty much their pickings for a girlfriend material. And then they see these uh, nationalist women who uh, are often much prettier looking, who are often much smarter and uh, who have a completely different attitude in life they are much more positive they don't have that hostility and against men that uh, uh, left-wing women have and they do all this lovely home stuff they have happy content boyfriends (laughs) and husbands so i uh, it's funny to see this sort of resentment from left-wing men that they went then against nationalist women yeah, and and they also use they also have like these potty mouth words that that they always like they they always use the word pussy and things like that and think they they're edgy these these are like adults and they paint in like period blood these are these are deranged people who like do anything they can do to get attention they do anything and it's like because 
I mean, like pretty girls, they 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 like wear some skimpy outfit to get attention. But because these women are ugly, they can't do that. So they have to do something else to get attention. And so they use the word pussy and paint stuff with period blood, and they like have some short hair and like like some weird weird haircut. I, I mean, it's, it's just yeah, it's just a freak show. Yeah, and of course, women always love male attention and. And uh, usually, or to begin with, it was the special women who got the most male attention and who had the easiest time getting it. And it was the pretty girls online, uh, those who were somehow famous or popular. Uh, and it didn't apply just to these uh, like vapid celebrities, but also like uh, in politics. Uh, the women who were influential in politics were also the ones getting a lot of attention. But then you had these... Uh, 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 chubby, completely mediocre, no talent uh, uh, women who also wanted that their share of that attention. And now they have created this culture of their own. You know these headlines that, oh, oh look at this uh, brave girl, who brave and inspiring girl who is... Uh, who got sick of the phony photos of Instagram models and she's so showing what a real woman's body looks like. And they always <laughs> have like some morbidly obese woman stuffed with cellulite and ugly all the way. And uh, and <laughs> that's somehow supposed to be brave, brave and inspiring. And as if men need to be shown what women look like they see women every day they know that not yeah. all women look like instagram models so but they have found a way to sneak in that okay this is my way of getting online attention that even now even the ugly girls have a shot at it if they frame their attention seeking as being brave and inspiring by like uh, breaking stereotypes of beauty and all that Yeah, it's it's like, you know, it, it used to be that, you know, people were famous for being like, they had some talent, they they were musicians, or they were actors, or they did something well, and they were on TV because of that, and they got a lot of attention for it. And then along came like this sort of reality show thing, and these people who were just famous for being famous... Uh, who are more mediocre and therefore more relatable to more people so people could like see uh but then it's like it's, it, it just descended into chaos with like the sort of freak show culture that we have now with like people getting attention because they're just completely uh you know it's like honey honey boo boo or whatever and it's like it, it's or whatever sort of similar things uh we're just weird weird leftists to like well i have this pronoun and that gives me attention because now i can feel like i am someone yeah Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you of course have that attention-seeking behavior in the nationalist scene too, because uh, yeah. of course when there is a movement that is gaining momentum and you have a lot of live streamers and sort of online celebrities in that scene, uh, the grifters always show up at that point uh, when uh, the opportunists and that uh, unfortunately includes a lot of women who... Uh, who are basically like that uh, Stone Toss cartoon. I'm not sure if you've seen it, that it has this uh, very slutty looking girl and uh, all the, and the nationalist guy is uh, calling her 
like a thought and being very disapproving of her. But when that same uh, slutty girl puts a MAGA hat on uh, <laughs> and pretends yeah. to be a conservative, she gets wild applause from the guys. So uh, that's a sort of unfortunate phenomenon in our culture that you have this very toxic symbiosis between these uh, grifting, attention-seeking women who spout these very one-on-one conservative opinions that have that they they don't really contribute anything. They don't really have anything original to offer, but uh, they show their boobs and they uh, upload a lot of selfies and they even have these private Snapchats if they are if they are like in the extreme <laughs> end and. So they are basically whoring themselves out to nationalist men and uh, skimming the, uh, skimming them for all they have uh, when it comes to cash. And the guys uh, are the enablers of that phenomenon because if the guys stopped giving these women attention and money, these women would disappear like that. They wouldn't be here anymore. They would have no incentive to be here. Yeah, you know, I think it's. I think that's like a... I don't even, you know, consider those things like, okay, that's like, what are we going to do about this? Because I don't think you can do anything about it. That's, that's just human nature. People will seek like the, the, the simple types of entertainment and, and yeah, a, a, a cute girl showing her tits is like the oldest, simplest entertainment. And I don't think that's going to disappear anytime soon, you know. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how harmful is it in the long run, though? I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, it, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it shows, it shows the weaknesses of, of sort of, of these guys and these girls. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is it is cheesy sort of cheap entertainment. Uh, but I, I think I probably think it's here to stay because that's just how humans work. Okay. So we have, uh, some super chats, uh, from the beginning. We have, uh, there's a flashback Friday starting in 10 minutes. So maybe we'll mm. try to, uh, end before they start. Lemu. Sure. Uh, asks, uh, hello, Frody, I totally agree with your idea that us natives need our own interest group or organization. We needed that 20 years ago already. I've been lobbying for the same idea for two years in every nationalist event. Sadly, no interest, mostly just hostility. Yeah, that's true. I, I've I've talked about this. This has been like a constant talking point of mine. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in... You can always say, well, why don't you start it? Maybe I will. Uh, but it's the point is <laughs> I do a lot of stuff and I'm always busy and I can't do everything myself. But I'm just saying that we need to take this thing seriously because it is what determines if we, if we, it's sort, I mean, asking if we need pressure groups or not is sort of like asking an army in the Middle Ages, do we need swords or not? Or do we need arrows or not? Yes, if we actually want to participate in the fight for political power, we need political pressure groups because that's how political power works in the modern day and age. That's just end of discussion. So we need to start it. But but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a process, but I think we're going to get there. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, I would just ask uh, if uh, you have been into this idea for two years, uh, uh, 
why not instead of lobbying for the idea, why not put the put this idea into practice? Start this yourself. Because uh, I understand that if you talk about this uh, to people in nationalist events, a lot of the people who are there in the nationalist events are people who already have their hands full, like they have their own projects going on, and you cannot just push all of the work for, like uh, in Finland, of five million people to a handful of people. Uh, we need to diversify so that you have people who run, like... Uh, Uh, alternative media outlets you have people uh, who do publishing who who, ha- who we have people who are work in interest groups that's what we need to do like you cannot push all of the work on the same individuals and Yunes uh, and I we have faced that this a lot ever since the beginning that people send us these ideas that okay could you couldn't you do this couldn't you organize this demonstration in here couldn't you uh, subtitle this video and these are things that these people could do themselves yeah. so uh, and there's nothing special about us like we started this from scratch We we started this. There is no like university you go to to uh, become a nationalist activist. You can just start doing it yourself. There is nothing special about us, and uh, a lot of the people who are already like well known activists, they already have their own projects going on that take up a lot of their time and resources. Uh, so yeah. uh, to to expand our activism we need more people to be become involved not that the same people just keeps doing more and more stuff and uh, and that the, the same handful of people keep filling their schedules uh, to the max so that they they can do everything Uh, you cannot expect others to do everything. That's the attitude that every nationalist should have. That instead, always when you want something to happen, when you, when an idea comes to your head that okay, I wish that this was done, you should always immediately after that ask yourself, well, can I do this? Do this? What's stopping me from doing this? And that's the attitude that will get us forward. That's how we get to expand and diversify our activism. So more people included. Always ask ask that question. Why cannot I do it? Of course, these uh, interest groups that you refer to in the most of, uh, or in many speeches, is that uh, it would include lawyers and uh, other people that would help us when our protest gets banned or our conference location uh, gets cancelled. So these lawyer people could help us and they could help us pro bono. They could be working uh, uh, even anonymously. They just send yeah. us what we have to write to the courts. To, uh... But yeah, uh, there's another one, uh, Oulun Arto, Uh, sends 10 uh, euros and he says our societies in Finland and Sweden have built in severe conflict what do you think about uh, the view of Kai Muros uh, there will be intensive perhaps violent conflict to clean the air problems are so severe that the moderate two to five percent shift is not enough uh, I like Kai Muros I um, I uh, you know read some of his stuff more than 10 years ago um and and uh, i i like his sort of very aesthetic approach to things like you know we have to 
it, it, it's sort of he's like a poet uh, in a way, and I, I like that because we need to inspire people. People know what's wrong. People know what's wrong with society, and they know sort of you know what's needed in order to even things out and, and get things on the right course again. But he's a he's a poet and he's an inspiring guy. And uh, uh, yeah, I, you know when <laughs> when I when I first encountered his work like many years ago now, um, I I didn't expect him to become like a, a sort of a well-known figure like he is now uh so so that's that's been a very interesting development i have to say yeah actually i i uh, have a uh, two-minute video of guy muros on rotherham so maybe i I will use that as an outro uh, song or outro thing and uh, there's a last one uh, from knatterton and he asks how much ethnocentric are the Faroese people what kind of immigration and border policy does the Faroe Island have? Well, the thing is that you always have, you always have this 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 very sort of unfortunate dynamic that the better situation and the more homogeneous situation you have, the more likely you are to just open the borders and just think that well, everyone else is just the same, so we can just fill the fill the place up. Uh, and then when you sort of encounter all the problems and when it's too late, you sort of realize, well, we were kind of in a good position uh, <laughs> just 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 before all this happened. So that's the problem, that the Faroe Islands is a, is a very ethnically homogeneous place. Uh, and basically, the most of the immigration is like, you know, people importing wives from Thailand or the Philippines, like in the rest of Scandinavia, like lonely men on the countryside. Those kinds of things, and you know the odd whatever person from wherever, but there is no like mass immigration, and there is no i don't even know what the policy it's it's such a very small population of fifty thousand people, so there's really no budget for accepting mass immigration. I don't think that's like really a possibility here, but at the same time with a group of with a population of just fifty thousand people, it takes very little to dis- disrupt the equilibrium. So therefore it is like a very sensitive situation and and people are incredibly naive and very sort of why are people racist over there well because they don't have what you have <laughs> because they want like a normal peaceful society where the kids can run out and play and we have a high trust society where you don't have to lock your car just like it is on the Faroe Islands so yeah uh, when people have what they actually need and should have they're sort of they're not worried about losing it and that's a unfortunate human sort of psychological trait and uh, but that's where we are people on the Faroe Islands are like many other people sort of like on the countryside that they, they sort of want to be hyper sort of hipster modern uh, because we're not we're not you know hillbillies so yeah we that, that's what we have to deal with uh, but it's a wonderful place but it's you know like all wonderful places it's fragile so so we have to 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 fight to preserve whatever we have of that left in Europe Yeah yeah you you have published some videos on uh, the, your Twitter account Scansa forum the, the link is uh, up there uh, and uh, yeah the island seems uh, very cool uh, maybe yeah, we should beautiful go there. place we should go there some and, uh, and there's a full moon ancestry on D Live, and uh, he says no sleep till awakening and Skansa Forum 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... thank you to him. 
let's hope the Zagreb Forum uh, is uh, this year, if not uh, next year. Let's see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, midnight in Finland, so uh, how uh, well? How should we end this? Uh, yeah. Do you have any uh, uh, final words um, about your upcoming projects and uh, things like that? Well, if uh, you guys wanna wanna catch my work, uh, I broadcast live streams every single day on the guide to culture channel and uh, the twitter is real underline gtk for guide to culture and the whole schedule is on guide to culture.org which is my website i do it on youtube and it's i have different guests and many of them very sort of well-known high profile guests we have alexander dugan is going to talk about the uh, twin peaks we have e michael jones is going to talk about salo we have uh, greg johnson is going to talk about 12 monkeys we have Henrik Palmgren, we have JF, we have many, many fun guests. Tomorrow we have Millennial Woes on, and we have the Golden One, and then we have um, uh, No White Guild. We have, and, and, and Jared George, we have many people, and it's like 30 guests going for a month straight. So if you want to see my work, please come to the Decameron Film Festival on the Guide to Culture YouTube channel, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, conversations there and i just want to thank you guys for having me on your show uh, i'll definitely be following this new project and i wish you all the best yeah thank you so much uh, uh, for joining us and it's always such a joy to have you on you're such a pro and uh, uh, you always talk so smoothly and it's always spot on and always uh, just uh, 100% uh, high quality content so it's always uh, just pure joy just listening to you and you're always welcome on our show thank you very much the same to you yeah Yeah. so uh, thank you again and uh, good night and stay safe there in the Faroe Islands thank you yeah. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. bye. I'll end this with uh, Kai Murros's uh, speech on Rotherham. Rape has always been used as a weapon of conquerors. The left hid these terrible crimes from the British people because the left despises Western civilization. Make no mistake, these gang rapes are still happening and still being covered up by the law. So, uh, good night and... Uh, yeah, and thank you to everyone uh, sending uh, uh, the lemons and uh, like Tur- Tapio and Turunrennoi Natsi who sent nin- Ninja Kini. So thank you to everyone who was active in uh, there in D-Live chat. Yeah, bye. Bye.